Hi, thanks for joining us on Bipolar Black Girl Podcast. My name is Mare and I'm your host. Mark joins us this episode. He has been diagnosed with BPD, Dependent Personality Disorder, and Bipolar 1 with schizo with uh, psychosis. He's going to share his experiences with managing his mood and personality disorders with us. So thank you for showing up. Mark, how are you? Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I want to give a little backstory that we had talked, was it a month ago, two months ago? Yeah. And when I first met you, you were pretty, very guarded and introverted and had this sort of sadness about you. And we talked for about 15 minutes and you you totally smiled and we started laughing and like your smile literally lit up, your face lit up. It was amazing. And to now see you starting the conversation this way, I'm so proud of you. And I really want to know like what your history with your uh, mood and personality, personality, why can't I say that? Disorders, um, as well as how your treatment is going and, and how you've managed to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I, uh, a couple months ago, I'm pretty sure I was in like some dr prodromal phases of psychosis. Uh, you know, I was experiencing like a lot of paranoia, distrust of people. I was real aloof and just guarded off and, uh, you know, depressed and, and stuff like that. So yeah, after those 15 minutes, I was like, oh yeah, I could trust you. She seems cool. <laughs> Thank you. I am cool. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're super awesome, and uh, man, really love the podcast. And uh, but yeah, uh, like uh, I got bipolar one with uh, psychosis, so um, I do go into those bouts of depression, and then uh, you know sometimes I'm good, but then sometimes I do go into mania, um, mm -hmm. and it's kind of tough. I have to keep myself in check. Like, I have to remember, or not remember, but I have to make myself sleep and eat, you know? Um, right. Sometimes it's hard to do those things. Um, Very hard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and that's a that's about that much about it. You know, I was experiencing some visual hallucinations, like orbs and, and you know, a little bit of auditory, like people calling my name. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I was going through that and, and, you know, I had since actually gotten some medicine. Uh, I went to, I went to this place over here, this clinic and got prescribed Cymbalta as well as Seroquel. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Cymbalta and, and Seroquel. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I just wanted to say that those have been very effective for you, it seems. Yeah, yeah, very effective. Um, honestly, I, I love them. I don't know if I could use something else, maybe just higher dosages of those, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. But currently, I'm taking uh, 60 milligrams of Cymbalta once a day. And then I'm taking uh, Seroquel, 100 milligrams uh, once a night. And okay. and that really helps for sleep. Um, the Seroquel and you know it it, it feels nice to kind of you know feel tired and then actually like go to sleep. 
right? You know? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling once you get it back. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. do, do you struggle with any type of insomnia or stuff? Because I sure do. I still do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I only sleep about between four and six hours a night. Four and six uh, hours. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Actually, it's gotten a little bit longer. So I would say closer to five to six hours. Um, but I, I just, I wake up. It's not that I can't sleep. It's I wake up. So I guess I can't sleep after I wake up. Um, so I have long days. Yeah, I, I have that same problem, too. Like, uh, I mean, even just this morning, I woke up from I woke up from rain and then I was like, it was 530 a.m. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. I can't go back to bed. So why don't you get me to this point um, in your life from, uh, you know, the backstory behind that? How did you get from there to here? Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, when I was young, um, you know, I had a, a not so supportive household. Uh, it, it was very uh, strict. It was it was very you could do better, you know, a lot of perfectionism. Um, mm -hmm. And then alongside that, there was there was like a lot of neglect. Um, right. So uh, like. I lived with my mom and my stepdad and uh you know I would I would ask things like oh you know can can we go out and play catch it was like oh tomorrow and then tomorrow came around and then oh tomorrow and right. the days just never came and that was with a lot of stuff um you know whenever I would have outburst as a uh, when I was younger around those around those ages, pretty much up until I was 18. Um, it was just always shunned down and it's, and it's my parents way or the highway. So, right. And is that a part of being Hispanic is that, I mean, in black culture, it's, it's very stigmatized. Uh, what's your experience? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's stigmatized. Um, oh, what, what do you um, mean stigmatized? Like what part of it? Well, I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of religious influence. And so it's sort of prayed away or mm -hmm. there's a lot of like, um, you know, you just need to take herbs or, you know, you're not getting enough. It, there's always some other reason than you have a mental health disorder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think there's that with um I I'm Hispanic Mexican. Um I definitely think there's that with Mexican culture and a lot of Hispanic culture for that matter. Um I I think it's a lot of yes, pray it away, you know, Catholicism is very huge. Um mm -hmm. and they they try to go by this they try I mean, this is just the way I, I've seen society is like they try to use Catholicism or their religion as like uh, an excuse to do certain things. Yes. You know, and uh, and as well as that, alcoholism is very huge in Mexico and, mm -hmm. and in Hispanic culture. You know, we love our tequila, but yeah. <laughs> But it'll get you and it'll ruin relationships. It'll ruin households. It'll it'll make you do crazy things, you know. And for people 
especially with mental health disorders, it's not good to be not in control of yourself, of your emotions, actions, that type of stuff. I mean, you drink and you can't even see, like, you know, it's, it's tough. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I assume that you grew up in an alcoholic household and I know that like stability is a huge, um, you know, a huge influence over bipolar disorder. Um, and like m my family moved around a lot. So that kind of messed with my stability because I was always like learning new, it was just confusing. Mm -hmm. So, um, is that, has that been your experience, you know, with the instability? Yeah, that, that I feel like that has been my experience as well. Uh, I mean, one way to kind of look at it is like I'm I like new experiences, which is good. I think that has yeah. taught me to, to to really embrace new experiences and and see like what what else can happen in life, you know? Cuz yeah. there's always yeah. something better. You'll always feel better. You'll always Yeah, you could feel worse, but you will always feel better, you know? The, the yeah. day will come. And it's such a positive outlook. Yeah, it, it's like a little CBT outlook, a little cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy outlook. But yeah, but but yes, definitely. I, I, I do think it has kind of affected my stability and my sense of stability. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I really enjoy having like having a place to stay here, like with my with my mom and my parents and, and stuff. and having that stability and in Mexican households having like being able to rely on on your family like that is very nice and yeah. i know that in some other cultures it, it might not be as uh, uh as as dominant you know as prevalent mm -hmm. and so um when you were growing up and and trying to manage the bipolar disorder you say that um, you had a lot of anger issues. You thought you needed um, uh, anger therapy or anger management. And I know that that is also, that's both a symptom of bipolar disorder and uh, borderline. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you manage that now? Are you on medications or has it completely been the CBT? Yeah, so I am on medication. Um, you know, I am on uh, the Cymbalta, which is an SNRI, uh, mm -hmm. 60 right. milligrams of that. And then I'm on the Seroquel, which is uh, antipsychotic. And I feel like the, you know, with a mix of that and the therapy, because, yeah, the medicine's great. That helps with the symptoms. So, yeah, it could help with the anger management, right? But where mm -hmm. is that anger coming from? You know, exactly. it's coming from the core beliefs and that mm -hmm. is what you have to get into and and really try to change, especially with borderline personality disorder, because you're not a monster. You know, you're not a crazy person. You're just right. you're just someone who who thinks differently, who, who acts a little bit differently, who's unique, you know, and, exactly. And that and that's what makes you you. And and, you know, there's people that accept it. There's people that don't. But, you know, the BPD, it's classified and the bipolar, that anger is classified with those symptoms. I feel like the CBT and along with medication does help a lot with those symptoms. I don't get nearly as mad as I used to, like, or right. as often. Mm -hmm. 
Right. That's that's such an improvement. I, I'm the same way. I use cognitive behavioral therapy as well. Um, I think that an important part of that is that you have to want to see the light. You have to yeah. want to change. And I feel yeah. like there are a lot of people who get trapped in the, I'm never going to feel better. I can't change this. There's nothing I can do. When it's like, if I mean, and it's literally like, you could read the first chapter and pretty much get it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just about, so can you more, better explain to the audience what uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is? Yeah, yeah. So cognitive behavioral therapy is essentially changing your cognition of the way you think or changing, uh, you know, your core beliefs, really. It stems from the core beliefs. And um, dialectical behavioral therapy is is a little bit different, but it stems from CBT. That's more of distress tolerance. CBT is more so just changing the way you think, having that positive outlook, you know, thinking, oh man, maybe they were mad at me. Maybe, maybe they hate me. So what? I'm going to yeah. live another day. I'm going to eat exactly. some food. I'm going to drink some water and play my video games. You know, life goes on, you know? Yeah. You know, like it, and I've been homeless too, you know, it's been hard. Wow. It's been really hard. And sometimes you got to have that positive outlook. You got to have that cognitive behavioral therapy because, you know, things can look all bad, but in reality, you know, you still have a car that you're sleeping in, you know, right. or, or you, there's still shelters out there that can accept you. And there's, there's so much help out there. There's so many options. There's so many options, especially for us mentally ill people that, the government wants to help. They're reluctant, but they want to. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, so do you get most of your um, therapy or do you have therapy once a week? How, how does your um, how does your therapy play itself out? Yeah. So recently um, I've been having some issues with my clinic and I've been needed to change providers. So I haven't gone to therapy in the past like three weeks. But wow. before that, I was going to to CBT. I did probably like three or four sessions, and I like, nah, I don't know. It's it's very powerful stuff. It really is, and it's. I mean, it's something that you have to continue to practice. Yeah. But once you get it, you get it. My thing is mm -hmm. like I'm very impulsive and I'm very impatient. Oh my god, I'm so impatient, but. <clears throat> Through CBT, I've learned that, like, you know, okay, well, just do something else, girl. You, you're standing in line. You know, you'll be here maybe five minutes. What's five minutes? I really have to talk myself down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that helps. And you know what? If you got to do deep breathing exercises out in the Sears line, like, you got to do what you got to do. Like, some people, some people can piss you off, and that's okay, you know? You got to think about why did you get pissed off? And in the time being, you can use dialectical behavioral therapy and CBT, but dialectical behavioral therapy also helps with the distress tolerance. So you can do the deep breathing exercises. You can maybe shake a little, maybe auditory laugh, you know, or smile. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Yeah. Hold some ice cubes or that's very helpful. Holding ice cubes or taking a cold shower, the shock. I was just going to say uh, taking a cold shower when that, that coldness hits your head. Oh my God. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm good. awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like the therapies uh, really help, really, really help. Um, you know, the medicine's great for the symptoms. You know, I need to sleep. It helps me not go into mania, not go into psychosis. That's great. And then everything else, I can start to, uh, you know, handle it, handle it on my own with the with the therapies, with that help from the medicine and support of my family and friends and and all that. You know. Yeah, having a support, a strong support uh, st- structure is uh, is very important to not just our um you know getting over a depressive episode or a manic episode but just to sort of ensure that we are kind of as even as we can be and be willing to you know deal with this when we're not yeah yeah exactly exactly and you know what whenever you're down and you're feeling bad and stuff like that just reach out reach out yeah because people want to help we want to help especially in the community like yeah. in the mental health community, we're all here for each other. And, you know, if you say, Hey, I'm having a bad day to someone, you know, I, I get those messages all the time. And I always, really? always, always talk, t- talk my friends down, you know, like, or whatever they're going through, like, and they thank me for it and, and everything that that's great. I just want to make sure that everyone's okay. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, and let me remind people that there is hope. There really is hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You got to just start moving towards it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you've also been diagnosed with uh, dependent personality disorder. Can you explain what that is? Uh, yeah, dependent personality disorder. Um, I'm gonna pull up a picture. Cause it's it's easier to explain because it it shares a lot of similarities with a, a other cluster C personality disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, so borderline personality disorder is a cluster B. Uh, dependent is a cluster C. Uh, I believe they're the anxious type. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, dependent personality disorder. This is trouble making decisions without reassurance. Uh, so that's okay. this is one of the symptoms and. You know, with these personality disorders, they have to be prevalent in your life. You know, they have to be, uh, they have to show in a lot of uh, use cases. Um, so, you know, for me, for example, I, I struggle cleaning with cleaning my room. Um, you know, unless someone tells me to do, to clean my room or like my mom or something. Like I've instilled this when I since I was a child because I was always told I was really never shown things. Right. Um, right. So it's kind of just a weird thing in my head, but it it's it's pretty much it's it's a struggle. So like cleaning were your my parents room. young when they had you. I'm sorry. Uh, were your parents young when they had you? My mom was 25, and my dad was probably like 27, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they were kind of young, and I mean, uh, Mexicans coming into America uh, at a very young age, trying to make ends meet. It's they. It was a lot of work. 
you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And they did the best they could. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, they worked on work and I'm working on my mental health. You know, like we we all have our own things that that we're working on and and I love that we can accept each other and you know, love each other for that. Um I'm sorry. What were we talking about before I lost my train of thought? <laughs> we were talking. I was actually going to ask you a question about what your relationship with your parents looked like, so far as your mental health is concerned. Like, um, did you after you got your diagnosis, did you kind of blame them? Did you sort of did you forgive them? Did you have to go through that process? Uh, yeah. So I did have to go through that process. Um. And it was a really hard process, uh, honestly. I got my BPD diagnosis about four years ago. And, you know, I it's very stigmatized. If you're yeah. looking at it from an outside perspective, you're going to see the surface area stuff. And it's, and it's a lot of people talking down on it, a lot of people talking down on the parents and, yeah. and, and saying they're abusive. Yeah, they can be abusive. Who we all are. It, it's it's right. hard not to be sometimes, you know, with with mental health conditions. Uh, everyone's different. Everyone's unique. But you know, I had to really accept that through time, through finding myself, through support of other family members and and friends. Um talking about it in therapy i had i had to go through all of that for a long time you know i mean i don't know if my mom has narcissistic personality disorder but you know for a long time i thought that and well i like that they that people put that out there my parents were not narcissists and i have bpd so i don't mm -hmm. i don't like that linkage right right and and bpd can be completely genetically uh completely genetic a lot of the times you know 99% probably i don't know the statistics i don't know but a, a lot of the times it's a mixture of environment uh ge and genetics so you know right. it, it can be weighed one thing or the other you know you could have very loving parents and still develop borderline personality disorder right i think that that's what people don't seem to understand is that I mean you are born with the being predisposed to it mm -hmm. but there are so many other environmental factors that are outside of your parents that um you know uh that can influence your uh your disorder yeah and and to talk about that I know this is a trigger warning and it's hard but like sexual abuse physical abuse uh, emotional abuse, all that through childhood, uh, broken relationships, mistrust in others, all right. all of these things can really develop your personality, and then in turn, it's BPD. They're just learned traits. They're just right. learned traits. So, but but they but you can develop those learned traits, and you know, there's help for it. That's the great part about it. You know. The one thing I love about BPD is they call it the good prognosis diagnosis. <laughs> they call it that because, you know, you, you go to CBT, you go to DBT for a year, 
and you know you're pretty good. You know you have a high learn the behaviors that that you learned yeah exactly like you can you can heal from that you can get better and and like, and then yeah. don't you feel like there's a weight lifted off your shoulder once you're like you know i don't have to carry this shit around with me anymore yeah yeah absolutely um it's like bp bpd is like the symptoms and stuff and like bipolar is more so like a mood it's harder to control it's more like a chemical it can be helped with medicine but uh with personality disorders like with bpd um yeah i feel like cbt and dbt are amazing tools to put in your little tool set of life and then you can use those tools and it helps out with every aspect of life so you just just become happier I was going to say, like, even if you're just stressed, you can practice the breathing exercises. I do them all day because I get anxious. Like, I'm doing them now. (laughs) um, But they're they're so, it's so helpful and it's so easy. Yeah, yeah, it it really is. It's, you just got to remind yourself. And you know what? Don't be shameful of it. Who cares if you look goofy, you know? Right. It is what it is. Like. Like I was talking to a friend the other day about these this dialectical behavioral therapy technique that my old therapist used to use. And he he says, Go to the mayor and look at yourself. I want you to say these four things. I am worthy. I love myself. I am imperfectly perfect. I got this. And if you look at yourself, you say those four things, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're nodding, you're smiling, you're, you start to feel the confidence in yourself. That you can, start convincing yourself. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and that I, um, you know, have heard of mirror techniques before. I think that's very helpful um, because I know that in the when you're in the depths of deep depression and um, you for your you lose your perspective, your outlook is so dark and dreary, and you forget all of those things. You know, you start mm-hmm. to feel unworthy. You start to feel, you know, um, just shitty about yourself, so shitty about yourself, and you also feel guilty you know yeah. yeah that's a big thing and i feel like once the um once i learned cbt it was easy for me to just let go yeah yeah it's like let go of every all like either i've addressed it or i just don't care enough to address it and i just let it go yeah exactly exactly and and so how go ahead and and it takes certain certain tools like i like books that help with that a couple of self-help books are like i don't know if you've heard of the four agreements um yeah but don miguel ruiz a very good book but more so than that one his son wrote one called the mastery of self oh don miguel ruiz jr he wrote the mastery of self such Uh a good book it helps it's kind of like cbt it helps you with your but it, it calls core beliefs conditions. 
and it and it lets you release those conditions. So it, it, it's. And you've mentioned core beliefs a couple of times. Can you explain what the core beliefs are? Yeah, core beliefs. Uh, so it would essentially be. I have a little diagram on my meme on my meme page, but it's like, it's kind of like a jawbreaker. On the outside, you have your actions. This is what you do. You know, you punch a wall. Okay, why did you punch? What led you to punch a wall? You felt anger. You felt rage. You you were agitated. You know. Okay, why did you feel the anger and rage? Because someone called me a a, a b word, you know. All right. All right. Now, why did that affect you? Why did someone calling a b word affect you? And then and then you think about that is the core belief. You think about why did it affect me? Right. And then, right. and then okay, it affected me because I used to be called that a lot from my parents as a kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we know. Well, to guess what? This person isn't my mom. This person isn't my right. dad. And right. and you know what? I'm not in any real trouble. Who cares if they call me a b word, right? Right. Right. And those are the yeah. core beliefs. You wanna you wanna instill positive beliefs. In, in, into your brain that that you know regardless of what someone thinks you're okay you know or like oh they're not cheating on me they're just uh at work you know or right. they're, they're just out eating you know which is the reality of 99 percent of the time right well impatience is a is a symptom and you know, uh, that really played itself out in a bunch of texts for me. <laughs> but, uh, but um, yeah, so um, I, you know, we have problems with interpersonal relationships and I lost a lot of them. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I really don't care. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Once you're comfortable with who you are and you start loving yourself and instilling these positive beliefs in yourself, you'll start to love others more. You'll start to wish people the best. You'll stop being as toxic. Like, yeah. in relationships, in casual talking, like, in everything, really. You become sweeter. I don't know. It's... it's. I think it's because you're more willing to accept responsibility for your actions because you can say, and you're not afraid to be like, okay, I'm sorry, I fucked up this, you know you know, I didn't mean it this way, or this is why it came out this way or whatever, you know, you have to Mm -hmm. say, um, now I forgot what I was saying. Yeah. And when you, when you go ahead and say that, you know, you you can set those boundaries, which is very, which is very strong and important thing to do. Very strong to set boundaries. And, you know, you set those boundaries and you don't have to get worked up over it. It's just two people conversing. You know, you're just telling someone what you think. If they get mad, you know, you you can take the pr- privilege of being like, hey, you know what? I love you. I got all this love for you. Um, I'm getting a little bit overwhelmed. I'm just going to take a quick step back. I'm just going to take a quick thing around the corner. I'll be back in a couple minutes. Don't worry about right. it. You know, reassuring, that reassurance is, is really nice, especially for people with borderline personality disorder, because we have that high uh, fear of abandonment. 
And yeah. And yeah, so I, I feel like it, it really helps a lot. You know, just changing your core beliefs, being a calmer person, it makes other people calmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my husband is and I are very intuitive and when he feels anxiety or something i feel anxiety and vice versa so um Mm -hmm. i've noticed that his anxiety is lower because my bpd is better you know and i'm not saying that i'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination but at least i know what i'm doing why i'm doing it and how to avoid doing it in the future yeah exactly ability for for that behavior yeah exactly you know everyone messes up everyone messes up but you know what we always make it we're still here you know like you're still here i'm still here everyone listening is still here like we've all made it you know that's something to congratulate yourself about you know that it's it's a miracle practically it's a I believe in God, so I say it's a blessing. So, and and you know what? I think it is. And whenever you can have that calmer demeanor and stuff like that and take the chance to take responsibility and, and say, okay, I messed up, but you know what? I'm going to work on it. And you know right. what? I might mess up again, but please be patient and I'll be patient with you. I'll be understanding with you. It's these are relationships. It's a two-way street, you know, whether it's yeah. you in life or you and someone else, like it's what it is. Yeah. Okay. That's so healthy. I think that um, if more people could adopt that, that attitude or that outlook, um, well, I know there'd probably be a lot more happier people, a lot more happier people on Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Press um, memes. Um <laughs> Uh, which, uh, I don't know if I want to get into it about your memes. I love them some, most of the time. Uh, <laughs> they could be pretty vulgar, but a, a lot of the times they're very relatable. And if they're not relatable, they're at least funny, you know? Like both, both. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it has to do with finding a girlfriend. So are you on the market? Are you are you looking? Yeah, I I'm single. Um I'm I'm kind of talking to this girl. I like her and uh it's nothing official like at all. Like I just started right. talking to her, but I like her and and it's cool. So I mean, is this I'm the just, same girl we talked about uh before earlier? Uh but you're both is she an introvert? You were both introverts. This is when you were this is when you were not who you are today. Um, I don't know. Probably not. Okay. I started talking to this girl like this. Like, I'm go for Joe. <laughs> I started talking to this girl like last week. Hey, but like, okay. I'm gonna be real. Like, have having a meme page, it's just you talk to people, and like having borderline personality disorder, independent personality disorder. Like, I don't know. You just talk to people, you know, and you're just trying to make that connection. You want to connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's all fun. You know, it's it's all fun, but uh yeah, I'd be posting memes about like all that 
all that funny stuff. Very funny, very <laughs> very vulgar sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's unhinged. Like, I hope my employers don't see any of this stuff, but, you know, if they do. No, you don't have your name there anyway. Oh, but I, I will link to this podcast. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't matter, honestly. I am who I am. and See, that's the thing. I don't think that people, nobody is comfortable with uniqueness, you know? And it's sad because I think that a lot of us, especially uh, bipolar and ADHD, um, are so creative, but we're so, like, struck down by the rules of society and we're not allowed to be ourselves and, and we're quirky people. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I find that very true with like neurodivergent people like autistic and ADHD and OCD. I'm pretty sure OCD is a neurodivergency. Don't quote me on that. But I can't. I have OCD and I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, but uh like that and you know with bipolar people and borderline personality disorder, you know, people read about or people who don't have BPD or don't know much about it, they they think that it's like, or they had one partner with it. They think it's like the worst thing ever. They think it's like, oh man, because this person was toxic. Every person with BPD is toxic, or or quirky, or this and that. The reality of the matter is, we are each our own people. I mean, shoot, I have my own mix of, like, mental disorders, you know, like, and that's okay. Like, and I, and I'm still me. I still love playing Counter-Strike. I still love playing guitar. I love taking care of my friends. I love eating yummy food. Like, like, there's, there's uniqueness about all of us. And I think we just all need to embrace, like, that uniqueness. If you don't like something about someone, just don't interact with them. It's so easy. It's so it is. It really is that easy. (laughs) Just forget about them. Ignore them. Like they don't. You know, you invite people into your life. I think that, or you attract people that, um, that you know, you get out what you 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 get in what you put out. That's what I'm trying to say. and you know that's just even in, in like work situ- situations or yeah. when you want to get something done creatively or anything like that. Um, but I wanted to go back to when you said when you said uh, about your work finding out. Are you open about your disorders to your employer? And if so, um, how do you, how did you go about telling them? And if not, you know what is your what's your hesitancy? Yeah. So. I was, you know, I've always been a pretty open person, um, you know, with my, with everyone, really. There were certain employers that I was, that I wouldn't share every detail. Uh, I wouldn't even share, like, the disorder name or anything. I'd just say I went to the doctor, you know. Right, um, right. And there was some like that. And it, I think it really depends on the employer, you know. The last employer I had was amazing so like i was able to speak with the managers and have a heart to heart and you know tell them hey this is kind of what's going on you know they were chill with me uh you know going inpatient even for for even a week over a week 10 days 
and and wow. they and I still had my job when I came back like it, like if nothing happened and there's certain there's certain employers there's certain people that are that are really empathetic that are really caring and and just great 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 genuine people and then there's some people that aren't they might be like that but they might follow more corporate rules or they they might do this or that you know so i think it all just depends on on what job <laughs> yeah i i don't like working for big uh organizations i worked at a college or a university and that was probably the largest uh organization i've ever been at wow so it's usually around you know three to 20 people and um I've always been upfront about it because um like you like your last job I guess they were everybody's been very empathetic and yeah. very cool about it and very accommodating um and just to make them aware of if you if if I show any you know <laughs> out of character behavior then this may be going on with me yeah. do you know what I mean so it's almost like a it's a warning and it's also a shield because I have uh, received uh, payment for, for being unlawfully uh, fired. Mm. So, uh, and as a direct result of my bipolar and ADHD. Mm. So um, yeah. I have had that, but overall in general, you know, everybody's been very, very gracious and nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I found the same. I have more. I usually go for more flexible jobs. So I, I've I've experienced the same. You know, everyone's pretty open about it. And you know, there probably could have been. I probably could have told the other job too that I was that I was mentally ill and stuff like that. But um, you know, sometimes we have those doubts in ourselves, and I wasn't too mentally healthy back then. So, I was going to say, especially if you're not, you know, mentally well. Right, right. Yeah. But, yeah, the... I I remember what we were going to talk about earlier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's it do it. Yeah, it was the dependent personality disorder. So... Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was like troublemaking decisions, you know, like showering brushing my teeth all that type of stuff uh going out places choosing what to eat all that kind of stuff is i like to be reassured i like to tell someone or i like it being bounced back so that's one of the symptoms and the the next symptom is fear that they can't care for themselves uh so i do have that fear you know i am scared that you know <laughs> Honestly, if I didn't have my fa the family that I have, like I would be on the street for sure. Like I <laughs> like I and that scares me, you know, like I I want to be able to take care of myself, but it's it's hard and having that dilemma in my head is like it, it's a really it's a tough battle to to try to face. Um, right. I I kind of have been going through the same thing recently and um just the uh, it's just 
I forgot what I was going to say. Why is this topic like making me forget? <laughs> You're depending on <laughs> me to. I'm like, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> why I keep forgetting. Um, Wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about the. Um, uh, <laughs> Dependent personality just. <laughs> Like yes. you're you're scared you can't take care of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that you know I have that now, and I'm 51. I've never had that before in my entire life, and um, I mean, I just you know, for instance, I went bankrupt, so I lost everything, and I couldn't find a job, and I still really haven't been able to find a job that I could that I could stick with, uh, in the last three years, uh, almost four years. So, um. Yeah, I can. I, so I kind is that sort of. Um, can you develop that just out of like being in in some way having your independence taken away from you? You know what? I definitely think so. I think a lot of these things based off of uh, childhood, but you know what? Wherever growing. Uh, these disorders they they show up in mid to late twenties usually, um, mm-hmm. you know, usually a little bit later in males I believe, and younger in females, but I'm not too sure. And the the thing is is like your brain is developing until then. So like if you oh, lose yeah. your job or something, or if you had some sort of experience like that when you were younger. Like the, it could pop back later. It, I mean, why? Why wouldn't it? You know, you're going through the same experience. It's tough. You know, you lose your job. You're going going through a struggle. You know, it might bring back some feelings of of not being able to take care of yourself. And just because you have the symptom doesn't mean you have the whole disorder. I know. Oh God, but, no. Well, but, I know. That, but. but <laughs> But still, I was more thinking, but, is it is it like an associate? Is it that associated with? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, but so that fear, not being able to, to to take care of yourself. I mean, I've definitely felt that. I I stopped working since my last job. It's been a couple of years, and I feel like it's been hard to get back into society. Yeah. yeah. So what is the? So I think people may hear that and be like, you know, you're afraid to grow up in a sense. You know, you're afraid of um, having to leave the nest because you don't know that you can take care of yourself. Maybe if you haven't before, you know, at at that age, Mm -hmm. like um, I moved out at, you know, 19 or 20. So I had a lot of experience with, you know, being independent and taking care of myself and, you know, um, just being a quote unquote adult because I'm not, I wasn't really an adult. I, I just, I'm 51. I don't know if I'm an adult yet, but um, yeah. so what is, how, how would you have that conversation with somebody who is not being dismissive, but just sort of looking at the symptoms and uh, you know, putting that, that sort of idea together. Well, you know what I feel like, we all need help, right? It's like Absolutely. you can help now, you can help later, you know, but if someone's asking you like 
we're humans, you know? How, how, how would you like it if you were struggling and, and you needed some help? You know, I, exactly. I think we all need to have an open hand and, and really embrace each other with all these relationships. And I mean, all these relationships, and I mean, all these personality disorders, I mean, all these mental disorders, you know, people like with antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, they deserve love too. You know, absolutely. they deserve absolutely. love just like any one of us. And you can still have boundaries with them is the thing. You can still talk right. to them. They're still people. They're still cool people. I have people. I have I, friends that are human. Yeah, exactly. I have friends that are that are schizophrenic sociopaths like and, and they're like one of the like chillest people I've met, like one of the like coolest, like like badass people, you know, like just a. Uh, just unique you know yeah and i think that to carry all this you know all of this all the time for the rest of our lives for all of our lives i think it does make us stronger it does make us more resilient it does make us you know i hate to use this word but in some way warriors you know um because we have to fight just to be alive in some cases you know um but understood in most cases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if not understood, just don't associate with that person or don't associate with that culture. (laughs) I don't like the whole cancel culture thing. I just think like, just don't associate with it. Like, how are you going to get bullied? Just turn your monitor off. (laughs) No, just... (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm 100% with you on that. I'm 100% with you on that. And um, even if you notice, I don't use the word trigger. I don't use the words neurodivergent and neurodiversity just because for the last two, uh, I think it scares a lot of people, you mm-hmm. know, who are outside of the community, who we're trying to convince that we're just normal. And when they hear those words, because they're kind of academic, scientific words, uh, they are turned off by them. So I try to be as simple as possible. And the word trigger to me has just, it's meaningless. <laughs> it's everyone's triggered by something, you know, and yeah. it's like we have allowed people to take this kind of world over uh, in sort of, in a in a way that I think is less healthy because, you know, even people without these, these, uh, disorders or issues are sort of taking the word and and rendering it meaningless by overuse yes rendering it meaningless by overuse and using it as like this uh scapegoat like oh i'm triggered so i have so i can be offended and do this and that right hey you're just being egotistical and prideful right now like this person actually has another valid opinion, just the same as yours. Why can't we just accept our differences? Okay, right. let's say okay, you're triggered. And then just just walk off. Remember just like yourself from the situation. If you if you are triggered, mm-hmm. or if you know you are going to be triggered, it's not up to us to change who we are. No. You just leave the situation, and you know, so that it doesn't trigger you. Yeah. You know, and I almost feel the same way about safe spaces yes we 
we need safe spaces, but say a college classroom is not meant to be a safe space. That's where, you know, ideas are. But now that doesn't mean that you're not respectful of people. Right. You know, individualism but, is still there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and to not be able to handle ideas and words and, uh, you know, um, it just, oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah. But I think that's because I'm old. No, no, it, it makes sense. And it's literally the truth because honestly, a lot of the stuff that I have been offended and triggered by, you know, has been of stuff because of my head has been stuff right. I exactly. made up or stuff I perceived negatively when in reality it wasn't even that bad or it wasn't even bad or it, you right. know I don't really think there's good or bad I think there just is I think they're just things and ways us as humans perceive it and then we name it this English word good or bad you know right right mm -hmm. right Oh my God. It's been so much fun talking to you. <laughs> yeah, you I can't too. stop, but, um, is there a message that you like a specific message that you want to put forward or is there anything you want to hype? Uh, do your thing. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, please go check out my Instagram page, uh, BPD boy deluxe. Uh, I post really unhinged stuff. You probably will get offended. I'm very sorry. But, you know, I'm going to keep doing my thing. You keep doing sorry, yours. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But, you know, other than that, just be loving and accepting of everyone. And yeah, just keep it going. There's help out there, and you got this. Oh, my God. I love your philosophy. It's such – I wish people could have could have seen who you were a month ago. You know, <laughs> they're so much change and you're smiling you're laughing and um i i really can see a difference and i'm very proud of you and very happy for you thank you i really appreciate it you know the medicine the support from you the therapy the support from everyone else and just everything you know life is good life is good i really appreciate it thank you and thank you for reminding my audience that uh that life is good yeah it is it is Thank you.